today's message is going to be concerning comfort zones and I encourage you to really listen and understand the word and get it down into your spirit because this has so many implications for us today so why don't we start with the reading of the scriptures this morning scripture reading comes from Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it praise God thank you and we're not going to go through all of the verses there in Malachi 3.10 but it just goes on to say about how if you're doing that and bringing all your tithes into the storehouse that he says in 11 I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast its fruit before the time in the field saith the Lord of hosts so I guess after hearing that you're saying oh gosh here we go a message on tithing you know and, and everything like that and a lot of people get so bent out of shape when you start talking about tithing well guess what you can relax the message is not about tithing okay I will just say though that those of us who have learned the concept of tithing over the many years um, and you really adhere to what Malachi 3.10 says bring all the tithe into the storehouse um, the preceding verse in 9 God actually says you are cursed with a curse because you've robbed me you know in those that are not tithing to God you're robbing God and that's a dangerous thing to do but then it talks about how you'll be blessed now the reason I bring this in today when I talk about comfort zones because even tithing and giving to the church is a comfort zone that is not comfortable for many people um, uh, and so in talking about comfort zones today this is not only meaning physically where you are moving physically out of a, out of a zone in which you are comfortable but also comfort zones in terms of your thought comfort zones in terms of your behavior comfort zones in, ter in terms of who you listen to comfort zones in terms of who you associate with comfort zones in terms of what we do in our, with our everyday life amen amen so with the tithing you know getting out of the comfort zone of which is not giving or not feeling or feeling that it isn't important it isn't required to give um, getting out of that comfort zone can indeed be very very beneficial to you because all I can know after being in ministry for many many years now and having been ordained for many years and and seeing people who are struggling and seeing people who are not in many many cases it can be traced back to their lack of giving to God okay it can be traced back to that and we are supposed to be giving sacrificially that is not a, a comfort zone that many of us live in you know if you lose your job or if you you wind up getting a decrease in salary one of the first things you start thinking about or maybe I should give less to the church well that's where you really get strategic if you will quote unquote and say well no this is where I'm going to sacrificially give because that's what motivates God you know how can you be expecting to prosper how can you expecting to find a job how can you expecting to move up in life if you you're doing the most basic thing and that's you're robbing God when God is the one that has all things for us that are good amen so that's one comfort zone but the other comfort zone as I said goes into many other other areas in our lives and let's start with uh, Genesis 12 Genesis chapter 12 you know I've um, many times over the years uh, we get so accustomed to doing things a lot of times simply out of habit uh, even down to the point where I recall when I was I was an usher um, way back when and the people coming into the church and I'd escort them to their seats and some of the old faithful sisters of the church who've been coming there for a million years and so on and 
escort him up to the front row, and lo and behold, someone else is sitting there. It's interesting how quickly that sister forgets that she's even a Christian. You know, what are you doing sitting in my seat? Okay, because out of habit, that's where they've always sat. Okay, many of you that are sitting here now, when you come in, you sit in the same places. Kathy has been displaced from where she normally, from where she is normally sitting, and so forth. You see, but no, don't you don't have to change. You don't have to change. Don't change seats. You know, but I'm just saying, it, creatures of habit. You know, uh, one time I was waiting for a train uh, to come in, and I was sitting in the car because it was cold, and whatnot. I was looking at the people on the platform and there at 807 came this one individual with his usual cup of coffee smoking a cigarette he always stopped at this particular place on the platform put his cup of coffee up on the rail and then put his foot up like this and would continue smoking a cigarette and I just sat there and I just said you know kind of mischievously I wonder what would happen if during the course of the night someone was to move that railing you know what would he do you know would he come up and start getting twitchy because he couldn't find his spot he couldn't find the place getting on the train people take the same seats so in our lives, we wind up becoming comfortable in the things that we do. So, what does it have to do with the price of tea in China? It has to do with we as Christians, we live in comfort zones. And when God starts telling us to do something different, when God starts telling us to trust something else or to go somewhere else, be it physically or to go somewhere else as far as our thought process and even belief system is, we become very uncomfortable, and so therefore we become resistant, okay? So comfort zones is something that we as Christians need to be very aware of. So Genesis chapter 12, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's the one <laughs> that actually got us to Oregon here, actually, but 12 verse number 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Please in the line, and thou shalt be a blessing. Okay? Now you see a couple of things here. He not only is giving Abraham some instructions to get out of your country, get away from your kindred, get away from your relatives, and get away from your father's house to a place that I will show thee. Abraham doesn't know where this is. And then in verse number 2 it says, I will make of thee a great nation. It says, I will bless thee. But now even more importantly it says, and, I, and, and thou shalt be a blessing. How many times do we pray for blessings, but how many times do we ask God to make us a blessing? How many times do we ask God to get us into a place that we can bless someone else, you see? So that's a comfort zone in a way right in itself. You know, we want to be blessed by God, but God putting me in a position to bless someone else may be very uncomfortable to some people, may be uncomfortable to you. Now, what does that mean, Lord? What are you going to do if you make, put me in a place to be a blessing to someone else? So God says, you, be prepared, I shall make you a blessing. Verse number three says, and I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curses you. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is another reason here, just as a sidebar, I don't think this is a whole sermon in itself, but the issues that's happening in the Middle East, you know, is not going to be solved by the way they think that man is going to be able to solve it, by sending ambassadors back and forth. Okay? God said, you know, as we know from Abraham, the nation of Israel was born. God said that I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. You know, so folks need to be thinking about how they're coming against the nation of Israel. They really aren't. They really don't realize who they're messing with. Okay? So then he goes on to say in verse number four, So Abram departed, and please in the line, Abram departed, and write in your margin, draw a line out and write obedience. So Abram departed in obedience as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. 
So many times when we as Christians and God is telling us to do something new, God may be physically telling us to pick up and move uh, or, or leave a job or do something new in your career or in your life. You start thinking, well, gee whiz, I'm umpteen years old, and to make this change now, are you kidding me? Well, he was 75. He was 75, right? So in God's mind, if God is telling you to do something new, to change your habit, to relocate, to do something different, it's not a matter of how old you are and how long you've been doing it, but is this what God is telling me to do? All right? So then he said uh, he departed out of Haran, so he was obedient. First number five says, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to, went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the oak of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto God who appeared unto him. And he removed from there unto a mountain to the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going still toward the Negev. So he was obedient, but the other thing we see there, not only was he obedient, what did he do? He went to church. Okay, he worshipped God, all right? So in this comfort zone that God may be moving out of, number one, we have to be obedient to God. And then when we've changed out of this comfort zone and we're being obedient to God, to remember to thank Him, to go to church, if you will, to praise Him, and to be thankful for what He's done and for what He's shown you. All right? We also see here now in moving forward in Exodus, the book of Exodus, the next book over, we go to Exodus 3. Okay? It's all about comfort zones, you know? So many times we get up and we, in the mornings, and we, we go to work, or we start doing whatever we do around the house or whatever, and we just kind of take that for granted, you know? You get up and, you know, chances are the first thing that happens after you open your eyes, your feet hit the bed, hit the floor, into your slippers or barefooted, and then you either go into the washroom or whatever you do, and that's your habit. What happened if God was to tell you one day that I want you to do something different? Even as far as getting up on the right side of the bed, maybe you get up on the left side of the bed. But even with that, we're so structured in our habits of what we do that we find it difficult to change, you see. And what I'm submitting to you today is that where things are going in the world and where what I'm feeling in the spirit and what I'm hearing and seeing in the lives of those that are around me, not only family but places of work and other places, God's bringing change into the life of his children, meaning Christians. God is bringing change. But if we are so stuck in our ways that we can't go outside of our comfort zones, then we may wind up being disobedient, not being obedient the way Abram was, okay? And so we need to watch out for that, comfort zones. Now, chapter 3 of Exodus, verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. 
And he said, Draw not near here, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, now listen to this, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a large and good land, unto a land flowing with meat, with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. But going back up to verse number 7, the words I want you to, fo- to focus on, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reasons of their taskmasters, I know their sorrows. God knows your sorrows. God knows what you're wrestling with. God knows what you're up against. God knows your circumstances with your finances. He knows about your relationships. He knows about your living conditions. Whatever it is that's troubling you, whatever those quote-unquote afflictions may be, God knows about them, you see? Now, you may say, well, well, Pastor, affliction, that's a pretty strong word. What I'm going through is not an affliction. If it's making you lose sleep at night, if you're worrying about it, if you're thinking about it almost 24-7, it's an affliction. It's not where you would want to be. It's not where God wants you to be, you see? So first of all, understand that God knows every condition that's happening in your life. You're not in this by yourself, you see? But again, the comfort zone that we have is, I know what's going on here. I know what's happening in my life, so I have to deal with it. I, me, have to deal with it, all right? God is saying to Moses here, he says, I've heard the afflictions and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to bring you out and bring you to a, to a better place. Verse number 9 says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. You see? Now, if you're not living a, a stress-free life, then you're being oppressed. You know, and in scripture, Egyptians is also a shadow of, as it's called in biblical terms, uh, theological terms, a shadow of, of, or a type of the devil, of Satan, of evil. Okay, Egypt is is as portrayed trade here when it comes down to good and evil. The Egypt, the Egyptians, keeping them under under captivity and bondage is the devil. Okay, so when you see this is saying, um, I have seen also the oppression where the Egyptians oppress them. Um, we are under oppression when the devil has us so bound up that we're not free, that we're worried all the time, that we're feeling stressful. This is oppression. So God is saying here that he sees your troubles and that he's going to bring you out of those troubles and free you from the oppression of the evil one who is tormenting you. Verse number 10 says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou mayest bring forth thy people, the children uh, of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, here's, this is the basis for this message today, okay, about the comfort zone. When God is calling you out of your comfort zone, many times you kind of instinctively say, who am I? How am I going to be able to come out of this comfort zone, you know? How am I going to be able to hear the message comfortably, not sitting in the seat that I normally sit in, you know? You know, you know how am I, how am I, you know? And, and, and it may seem like it's on the silly side, but I'm telling you that there are people that get that bent out of shape because their daily routine has changed, okay? So now if God is calling you out of a present situation and he's saying, I'm going to take you into a new situation, the first thing the devil makes you feel is, how am I? 
I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to cope with this change? How am I going to be able to survive outside of my comfort zone? It's not comfortable out there. You know, I, I, I know what my big, comfortable, easy chair feels like. You know, it's got my remote control over here and it's got my lemonade here. I know what that feels like. And now, God, you're going to bring me outside of the safety of that? Who am I? Right? God is telling you he's got a new position for you, a new job for you. Who am I? God is telling you I'm going to promote you up. And you say, well, who am I? How am I going to be able to, to, to survive in that new environment? Okay? So we see here, um, you know, Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And verse number 12 says, and he said, certainly I will be with you. Two's in the line that certainly I will be with thee. You see, in terms of comfort zones, many times we are afraid to come out of our comfort zones because we forget the fact that God is with us. God is not going to send you into another place, into another zone, and not be there with you, you see? But the reason we stay in a comfort zone, when you really stop and think about it, is because you feel and you know that you are in control of that comfort zone, okay? And that's why you're comfortable there, because you feel control. But the minute that God starts showing you and starts placing in your heart and starts whispering in your ear, I'm going to move you on, I'm going to take you here, I'm going to put you there, and then you start having all these, these uh, senses and these thoughts of, self-doubt. Who am I to do this? And he says, don't forget, I am with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, um, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? What shall I say unto them? 14 says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Confusing the line that I am that I am. And this is a whole separate sermon, but I won't get into it. In the Hebrew, it actually says Yahweh, W-H-W-H, to Jehovah. And there's a whole sermon uh, in itself there. But that means so much. I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I am has sent me unto you. And God said more of unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I am that I am is a, is a huge... It's a huge... It's a huge state of being. It's a huge state of existence that is greater than anything we can really understand. This is simply saying, I am that I am. I am meaning that I am always I am. It is not I will be. It is not I was. It means I am that I am. This is the constancy of God which really transcends man's you know, measly understanding and concepts of time and greatness. I am that I am. In other words, I am. All right? We talk about where the universe came from. I am. How are you going to move me into this new job? I am. In other words, God is the sum total of all that is seen and all that is unseen. Okay, we know today from telescopes and other science that there's, there's a whole realm of things that we simply cannot see. That is just as real as the things that we do see. I am that I am is such a powerful statement. It means that I am. 
it's a state of being that nothing can transcend. Okay? Not I was or not I will be, but I am that I am. This is constancy. It's a state of constancy. All right? So then he goes on to say, go and gather the elders in verse 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your father, I just read that, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the here. Verse number 18. And they shall hearken unto thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And you shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us go. We beseech thee three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Okay? That we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Now again, back here, don't forget, this is pre-Jesus, so they had to do sacrifices. Okay? Jesus was the final sacrifice. This is pre-Jesus, so they had to do sacrifices. That we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. Um, thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass, when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and of her of her who sojourns in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and you shall put them upon their sons upon your sons and upon your daughters you shall uh, despoil or spoil the Egyptians so, so God is saying to Moses who is very feeling uncomfortable he says I am going to go with you and these are the words to say if you know that you've been praying to God for a situation or for something that's happening in your life or to a place that you feel God is telling you to go he's going to make you well equipped all right, he's going to go with you. He will give you the words to say. So many times we've been called before a boss or we've been called before someone in authority over us. And as we're going there, we're wondering, what is it that I'm going to say? God will always give you the words to say. I don't care. It also says in the scripture elsewhere that if you're called before the magistrates, if you're called into court, God will give you the words to say. And you have to remember that he is with you. You see, the wonderful thing about us being Christians is that we don't have to worry about ever being alone, but we forget that. You know, you're in that comfort zone of yours and you're afraid to journey outside of it that God is calling you to because you're uncomfortable. You forget that God is with you. Amen. Continuing a little bit into chapter number four, we're just going to read. Um, verse 10 verse number 10 and Moses said unto the Lord O my Lord I am not eloquent neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue please underline that but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Now, now, very few people think of Moses as being slow of speech. You know, now this is the King James um, uh, interpretation or translation. And what this is actually saying is that Moses stuttered. You know, many, many writings indicate that Moses kind of stuttered in, with speech. But he says, I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who has made man's mouth or who makes the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And this says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And it goes on to say later on, we know that he sent Aaron. But what, what happened here is that Moses was, showing, was, was pushing back to God, saying, because I can't speak, how am I going to say this? How am I, you're going to get me out of this comfort zone? And that made the Lord angry, you see. So when God is sending you into a new place that's outside of your comfort zone and you're not sure how you're going to behave and how you're going to speak well God said who made your mouth 
you know and if God is going to put you someplace God will certainly give you the words to say and give you the ability to say that which God is telling you to do you see so so many times we feel we feel um, inferior or we feel incapable of being able to communicate in an area that is new to us all right well God is with you God will give you the words to say you see and so many times this will translate in us as a feeling of inferiority of being of being uh, uh, incapable okay it, 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 it lessens our uh, self-esteem about being able to uh, to succeed in going forth you see but if God is moving you someplace now and in everything I'm talking about here moving out of comfort zones again I'm talking in the context of God moving you someplace all right I'm not just saying that this is where you know any one of us is in a particular place be it a job be it a house be it a situation a condition with family friends your enemies or whatever and you are decided to move on because you just don't like it here you know and you decide I'm going to get another job I'm going to move my house I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm talking about where God is talking to you and telling you to move on okay because the funny thing is is that so many times when we in ourselves decide that I'm going to change my venue I'm going to change where I am or my condition my state of being whom who I'm associating you know when you do that you know there's very rarely is any sense of, of, of incapability of inferiority you never think that you will not be able to do it because this is you saying it it's funny that when God tells us to do something or when God is moving us out of our comfort zone that's when the insecurity starts settling in okay that's when we start feeling we can't do it now isn't that interesting and you'd ask yourself why it's very very simple it's because for every voice of God for every voice that speaks to us through God that is God be it via an angel the Holy Spirit or whatever okay or whomever that in the, of God I'm talking about um, those feelings come in because who wants to counteract that is no more than the devil himself and so what happens is that when God is telling you something the devil will put and plant all of those seeds of your inability to succeed Oh, I can't succeed, you know, um, I won't be able to do this, I won't be able to do that, alright? But if you are thinking about moving on, then very rarely do you have those feelings because this is you, you know, and you're thinking about yourself, oh me, gee whiz, I will, you know, and the devil in the meantime, knowing that you're stepping out absent God, the devil will let you go on and do that, you know, and then you wind up failing, you see? So I just want to really, really just make in careful contrast here, though, the thought process that when God is telling us to do something, this is when the feelings of inability of insecurity and everything starts setting in and this is where you have to realize that if God is sending you someplace that he is going to be with you all right and that you're not going to fail you're not going to be at a point that or a place that you will not know what to say all right so we see here um, in this particular case so he's telling Moses to go forth and Moses has his time there of being insecure and so on because he was moving out of his comfort zone um, lastly here Isaiah 43 talking about comfort zones you know even even as far even as far as comfort zones are concerned when you hear the word of God and even when you're reading the Word of God, which is one reason that here in this ministry, I always hope people are reading and looking at their Bibles, because I never want anyone to think that this is some nonsense that I'm dreaming up, that they read it for themselves. But even as far as comfort zones are concerned, 
Many times we hear the word of God and the word of God that you're hearing is not what you've heard before or not what you've learned before. We tend to shut it down. We tend to doubt or we tend to think, well, no one else ever says that. No one else ever goes there. So therefore it must not be valid and it must not be true. Um, getting outside of a comfort zone also pertains to learning and reading and understanding the Word of God, okay? Because God will choose to have you to hear a word at a given point in time because you really need to hear that word. Now, what I just said in itself may take some out of their comfort zone, okay? Because um, we do not deliver predetermined messages here we do not deliver messages that have been put together by some board of directors in some other state that publishes a manual each week that we have to go to to make sure this is Sunday, April 27th, so this is the sermon that's going to be preached today. Um, so getting out of your comfort zone is even understanding a word and understanding the word when you hear it. Okay? And every single believer that hears a word that is the word his spirit should resonate as it being the word. Holy Spirit that's in you will likewise tell you if something is not true or is not so. But we have to also get, get out of the comfort zone of hearing that, what, that which you have always heard. All right? Now, and I can speak to you, uh, case in point, about myself and my wife. All right? While we were searching many, 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 many years ago, really searching for the word of God because we knew something new deep within us. I mean, now we know what it was, but Holy Spirit deep in us was telling us that what we were hearing was not what we wanted to hear. It was, was, not, was not feeding us spiritually. It was not feeding us spiritually. And we were accustomed to hearing a certain word, a certain type of word, being in a certain ritual in terms of how the service was conducted. It was not until through a host of circumstances that I don't have time to go into here, which were very, very almost uncanny, where it was God in operation, brought us to a ministry that was now we call a full gospel ministry, where the unmitigated flowing of the Holy Spirit was going in that ministry. Did we go outside of our comfort zone because it was not what we had been accustomed to? But the minute we heard it, we knew that it was God. We knew that it was Holy Spirit. Did it line up with everything that we had learned in my past years coming up as a good Baptist? No, it did not. My mom loved the Lord. We had prayers and hymns and songs in the house all of the time. My granddad was a preacher. But it was not the, the unmitigated word that took me, that had the ability to take me where I wanted to go in God and learn the very deep things of him. The reason why we pray for each other, the reason why we lay on hands, the reason why there are gifts of tongues, the reason why there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and all of those deeper things. So for me to get to this place, I had to be willing to leave a comfort zone. My wife had to be willing to leave a comfort zone. And then the minute you do that and you start seeing that there is a whole world of God that is far beyond what you have learned and what you knew, this is when you really start walking the way God works and you walks and you start seeing miraculous things, truly miraculous things happening in your life. Okay? So, so hearing the word of God, hearing the unmitigated word of God is indeed a comfort zone in itself. But many times we as Christians, though, want to stick so much to what we have learned. Now, unless you start hearing something that is totally out of line with the word of God and you can't read it in scripture and see it yourself or there's some twisted interpretation of what the scriptures are saying, that's a different thing. 
Alright, but if you are reading and you're interpreting and what's being interpreted is indeed in line with the, with the word of God, don't lock yourself, yourself out of the blessings that God wants to give you simply because it's taking you out of your comfort zone, you know? Some people fly, fly when they hear tongues. Some people fly when they see the laying on of hands and believe in healing. Some people fly when, when, when all of a sudden the, the music is different than what they normally hear. That in itself is a comfort zone. So all I'm saying to you is, is don't close yourself down to blessings simply because maybe you're hearing something that is unlike what you've heard before. Uh, chapter 43, verse number 1. But now thus, now thus saith the Lord who created thee, O Jacob, and he who formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Thou art mine. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. So right there, God is, is reminding them. He says that, first of all, I am the one that created you. And then he says, when you go through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, thou shalt not overflow thee. When we're struggling with things in our life, you know, maybe you've heard people say in the office or something like that, how are you doing today? Oh, I don't know, I'm just drowning. You know, I'm just treading water, you know. When you're in deep trouble and when things are really going badly in your life, you do, you feel like you're drowning. But if you can remember here that God is with you, no matter what waters or rivers you're going through, God is with you. He'll bring you through the fire. Now, this is a promise that God has made. Verse number four says, since thou wast precious in my sight, Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Verse number 5 through 7. Listen to this. Fear not, for I am with thee. Please underline or bracket all of this, 5, 6, and 7. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone who is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Please mind for I have created him for my glory. Do you realize that God has created you for his glory? And if you know that, then that kind of helps us, you know, not to be sinful in doing things that are not glorifying God. Amen. God created you for his glory. You, you know, you know uh, creation, the creation of man was God's pinnacle of accomplishment. I mean, this was his, the, 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 the jewel of, he, of his creation. After the heavens and the universe and the solar system and everything, then came man. This was his crowning glory. And man's, God's, God's divine intention was for us to have dominion over this existence. And we know what happened with that, thanks to Adam. All right? Okay? So, so God is saying here that he's very important. I have created him for my glory. Um, verse number eight, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears, that all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say, underline, it is truth. It is truth. The only thing that is truth is what God is saying. There's no other truth beyond that, you know, and, and that may be a comfort zone in itself because some would say, oh, well, this is the truth. You know, all roads lead to God and so forth. Well, I'm sorry, that is not truth. And that is not truth. And for some, maybe that's a big comfort zone for them to get out of. Um, verse number 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, and you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. 
Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Please underline that. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. There's only one God, and that's the God that we know. Uh, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There's no other way to get saved. I'm sorry. You know, you know, many people I hear so many times, you know, uh, after a glory, <laughs> after a nice weekend, you know, you'll be talking with somebody and they say, oh, yeah, we had we had a big evangelistic um, event over the weekend, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go on talking and they say, you know, I saved, I saved 50 people. You know, I did the altar call and I saved 50 people. You know, when I hear that, it, oh, I just get a chill through me, you know. And I, and I say, oh, Lord, forgive him for he knows not what he says. Uh, 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 he saved no one. Jesus is Savior, you know. We can be instrumental in praying for someone and leading them to the Lord. But for people, the Christians to get puffed up, anyone to get puffed up and say that I saved them, that is wrong. Okay, and, and that's not me saying it. Uh, was it just say, beside me there is no Savior. You see, so for anyone to say that because of an evangelistic event and there were 5,000 people there and I did an altar call and 2,000 people came forward, you didn't do the saving. You simply made the altar call available. The Holy Spirit was there working on the hearts of people. And when they committed themselves to Jesus, Jesus did the saving. You didn't do that. You see, there is no other Savior. Okay? Comfort zone. Get out of that, you know. I have declared and have saved and I have shown that uh, when there was no strange uh, God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Excuse mind that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am He. There he is again. I am that I am. Before the day was, I am He. So in other words, He existed before the day was. And there is none that can deliver you out of my hand. I will work and who shall hinder it? Okay? So if you're being called out of your comfort zone, don't start thinking that. That someone else can hinder that because they can't. If God is calling you out of your comfort zone into something new, no one's going to be able to hinder that. No one's going to be able to stop that from happening. Uh, verse 14, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose song is in the ships. This is where the captivity was. I am the Lord, your Holy One. This is in the line, your. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, on the line, your. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea. Here it is again, referring to the waters there. God is the way that makes a way um, in any difficulty that we may be having in life and a path in the mighty waters. 17. Who brings forth the chariot and horse? Who, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power? They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as a wick. Remember not the former things. Now here's the key. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Please underline that. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. When God is bringing you into a new place and he's calling you into something new, calling you out of your comfort zone, he's saying you that don't go looking at the things of the past. You see? You see, and that's where the devil would love us to stay focused on, to stay in the past, to think about the troubles that we have, to think about the things that we failed at doing, the things that we, you know, could have done, would have, could have, should have sort of thing. You know, the devil loves to focus on that. God says, do not consider the former things because he's doing a new thing. So getting out of the comfort zone, and then remember, it says, the shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So we know that where there's a wilderness, you know, God will find you through that, will bring you through it, and rivers 
is in the desert. A desert is a dry place. So where there's a dry place that is in your life, God will put rivers, rivers in it. Rivers, water is always um, symbolic of Holy Spirit in Scripture, all right, among oil and fire and many other things. Okay, but, but rivers in the desert. In other words, you shall not thirst. God will supply. The beast of the field shall honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Susan the line, drink to my people, my chosen. Believe it or not, you are one of God's chosen. That may be another comfort zone for you, thinking that you're not God's chosen, because if we believe that we're not God's chosen, then many times we feel we don't have any response responsibility to God, okay? Well, flash folks, you are God's chosen, you know, and because of that fact, he's not going to let you falter. He's going to bring miraculous and do miraculous things in your life if you can just believe and, and trust in that, okay? Verse 21, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my, my praise. And in closing here, last few scriptures, but thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. Thou hast not, thou hast been weary of me, O Israel, Okay? You haven't called upon me. You've become weary of me. Thou hast not brought me the sheep of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast burdened me with your sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. In other words, he's saying that you're not honoring me, you're not honored, you're not giving to me, you know, but yet still, what do you do? You're constantly sinning in front of me and all of your iniquities, and yet still, you're forgetting about honoring me. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father sinned, meaning Adam, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary and have given Jacob to the curse. And then uh, just a few here of verse number of chapter 44. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant in Israel, whom I have chosen, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, who will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jezurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. There it is again, water. Pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry, dry ground. Underline this, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring and they shall spring up as among the grass like willows by the water courses so what this whole and then it goes on talks, talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit so what this is merely saying here here is, is, is that is that um, God was bringing them out of all the suffering and things that they had and God is saying though but during this time you know, you've forgotten about me. You haven't sacrificed to me. You haven't given unto me, you know. So as we're moving out of our comfort zones and trusting in God, we also have to remember to give to God, to sacrifice to God. And not only material things, not just tithes and offerings, but also giving of yourself sacrificing time to him you know we don't always have time to pray when you make it a sacrificial prayer you don't have always have time to to praise him that's why even one of the songs that we sing sacrificial praises unto him we sing we, we sing sacrifices of praise to you amen and so we have to remember god in our lives and and everything and just remember though he says that i will pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring well a comfort zone to get out of or to get into you know is a new comfort zone to get into is that even believing that God's going to bless you. 
or that there is a Holy Spirit that is there to pour our blessings upon you, to fill you and to guide you, you see. But it is so much of a comfort zone for us to believe that we can do it ourselves, believe it or not, you know. And, and it's really, really odd because I see so many people that, 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 that are indeed suffering. They're going through so many changes and they're trying to do it themselves and it's because they're comfortable in trying to do it themselves. You see, you know? So get out of that comfort zone and thinking that I am the master of my ship, I am the captain of my fate, and so forth, because you're not. You know, not if you let God take it, you see? So get out of the comfort zone because some people, you know, you, you ever, um, you ever trying to teach a child how to do something new, you know, and, and something that's maybe a little beyond the, the child's ability and so forth, and then if you don't catch yourself, you wind up getting impatient, and you say, never mind, I'll do it myself, you know, and you just snatch it away, and you go on and you do it yourself, you see, because you want to do it yourself. You want to get it done, you see? And that's a condition of us being human beings, but when we become saved and filled with Holy Spirit and we're learning and we're learning and we're learning because it's a learning process, it doesn't happen overnight, not to rely so much on self to do it, but remember that there's a God that's just pleading with us to let him do it. There's just a God that's there that's just, just, just wanting us, to, for us to just turn our lives over to him and to let him guide us, you see? So get out of the comfort zone of feeling that I have to do it, even though you're not comfortable in that zone. You know, you're suffering in that zone, but you're comfortable in knowing, though, that I can find a way to fix it. Why? Because I've always done it myself. I brought myself up, I raised myself, pulled myself up what, by the bootstraps is the expression, and I did all this hard work, and I grew this company, I grew this business, I did it myself. So now for us to think as Christians, to change our, our thought process and to say, well, I'm not going to try to do it myself, I'm going to give it to God, that's a comfort zone that's hard for us to get into. We have to move out of the old comfort zone of, of, of self-government. Okay? Move out of the comfort zone of self-government. It's just uncanny. We're suffering. We'll be going through a whole lot of hurt. But yet still we're comfortable in trying to do it ourselves and not comfortable in giving it to God. Okay? Simply because we don't see God. Okay? But that's what faith is all about. Amen? Amen? So I pray this message has been a blessing unto you. And I pray that our, um, as we go through the balance of the day, you'll think on these words. But now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.